the seat. Make yourself comfortable. My name is Mark, I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central. Um, you'll have to excuse me today if uh, my voice isn't too strong. Um, if I, I'm going to try not to cough, but I've had a really bad cough all week, so <laughs> I don't know how that's going to sound to you in this microphone. So I'll try not, but uh, we'll see how we go. Uh, but it was great, it's great to be together this Mother's Day, and uh, it was a great video. Uh, Brent was very humble. Uh, Jody and Jody and others did put it together, but actually Brent spent quite a lot of time this week pulling it together uh, on the video. He did a great job there. So, uh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> so as, we've been, uh, as I've been preaching recently, we've been going through Mark's Gospel, and uh, we're in the still in the early chapters. Uh, it's probably a good thing on this Mother's Day that we have actually got past the end of chapter 3, which is where... Jesus' mother comes and is waiting for him, and he sort of kind of snubs her, really. And he says, who is my mother? Probably not the best passage to preach on of Mother's Day, but we've done that one. So uh, <laughs> we're on chapter 4. We're on chapter 4, and we're towards the end of chapter 4. So if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to that. We're going to read it in a moment. Uh, Jesus has been teaching in parables from a boat. Um, <coughs> he's been going out. And uh, there's so many crowds, really, are gathering into him that he has to go out on a boat, and he's teaching them. They're all wanting miracles and, and other things, which he's performing. Um, but he, he really wants to teach them. And uh, some of what he's teaching them is so kind of mind-blowing uh, to what they would normally think, and they don't really understand it. And Jesus says, you know, actually, some of the things that I'm teaching, even the parables I'm teaching, they're, they're, they're so... People think, well, that's really simple. Why is he teaching about seed and sowers and things like that? And it's kind of a bit babyish. You know, we want the meaty stuff. Actually, to embrace what Jesus is saying about the kingdom, to embrace what Jesus is saying about God, we kind of need to humble ourselves. And that's really what he's going to continue to do uh, this morning as we look um, from verse 21. Um, he's just told the parable of the seed, the parable of the sower. And... Uh, there's something about all of these parables of the kingdom um, which have got a kind of common theme, and it's that God is doing something hidden right now, something that seems to be very small. It doesn't look to be great. And you could say, well, he's gathering hundreds and thousands of people from all over the place. Yes, but he's saying that the kingdom is really something that's tiny and seems tiny, seems insignificant, seems not to have any life in it at all at times. But one day, it's going to be made known. One day, it's going to be seen to be as powerful as it is, to be as huge and vast as it is. Um, so, uh, well, let's, let's read, shall we, from verse 21, and, uh, and we'll talk some more about it. So, verse 21, chapter 4. He said to them, uh, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has, he has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever doesn't have, even what they have will be taken from them. 
He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. But he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He didn't say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. All right. So Jesus is talking here about kind of ordinary everyday things. And he's trying to explain what the kingdom of God is like. He's talking about a lamp. And he's saying, well, lamps are there to bring light to people. And right now, that lamp might be hidden. One day, it's going to bring light to the whole room. He talks about seeds, which are hardly noticeable at all. And mustard seeds. But then they become the largest of all garden plants or bushes. And he talks about other seeds, which are sown underground and hidden, but nevertheless will grow and produce a crop, and they'll grow even without the farmer doing anything to them. I'm still, uh, I think Jeremy Simpkins said this the other, the other week, it's still amazing to, to go through the kind of winters that we have here and see all the snow on the ground and the frost, and it gets so hard, and you kind of think, man, nothing's going to survive that winter. And then it gets to this time of year, and you suddenly start to see everything shooting up, all the flowers and the buds, and you're like, oh, how's that happened? And it does, because... That life is hidden within. It can look as though there's death. It can look as though there's, there's, there's cold and barrenness. But life is there. And Jesus is saying, well, that's the same with the kingdom of God. That's exactly the same. Um, it can look as though there's nothing really going on. It can look as though there's not a lot of life there. It's just this seed. And it's like, well, I can't even see the seed anymore. And, and what's, where's it gone? And nothing's happening and, and Jesus is saying, no, something is happening. And, and the farmer's got nothing to do with it after he's sown the seed. The farmer's got absolutely nothing. It says night and day, the farmer just gets up and he goes to sleep and he gets up and he goes to sleep and the seed just grows. And the farmer's like, I don't know how it's happening. I don't know how that happens. And it just gets to the end where the farmer says, okay, well, now I can harvest the crop. The farmer doesn't have a lot of work to do because it's God who is doing the work. And that is the work of the kingdom. It's hard for us to get hold of it sometimes because we kind of feel, well, we should be doing more or we, we should be making something happen or actually we need to look for the big and the spectacular. We worship a big God. We worship a great God. We worship the creator of heaven and earth. So surely what we should be about should be big and spectacular things and it should be evident right from the start that what God is doing in the world. And Jesus says, no, it's not like that. That's not how I've chosen to work. We love to go for the big thing. It's great when what we're involved in looks good, looks impressive. Whether it's our churches, whether it's just in our work, whether it's the number of followers we have on YouTube or Facebook or our blog posts or whatever it is. It's just the way the world works. We get sucked into that mindset. We want to run things that are bigger and better and more impressive. And when they're not more impressive, when they don't look very impressive at all sometimes, we can think, well, is God at work? Is God really at work? So, oh, you know, we're not seeing 
too many people saved right now so in our church. So does that mean God's not at work or not many people are coming to our prayer meetings and well, we've got a few people coming to Alpha, but you know, what, is that it? And we've done a big advertising campaign and, and then we hear about, well, we're planting a church in Halifax. Well, it's just a little small group. It's just a seed. Oh, oh, is that it? Oh. And we can kind of get disappointed and we can kind of think, oh, well, I was expecting so much more. And passages like this really help us because they help us to see this is the way of the kingdom. This is the way it's actually always been. It's always been the way of the kingdom. God doesn't choose to use big and spectacular things. Now he's saying one day, one day there will be, the light will be put on the stand. One day it will be made evident. One day the seed will grow and produce a crop. One day the tiny mustard seed will grow and produce a tree and a shrub for the whole of the nations, the birds of the air, symbolizing the nations, to come into. But we can, we can kind of despise the small things. But, but Jesus came in a small way. He didn't come as a big fanfare. He came in a small way. And if we don't see that this is the way of the kingdom of God, and always has been, actually what we can tend to do is get more and more critical about things about the church about others oh that just doesn't look very impressive I you know I would have expected a little bit more than that and as we get a little critical and and maybe back away then we can back away from what God is actually doing we can become blinded ourselves to the things that God is doing and we mustn't get blinded to what God is doing so that's what Jesus is getting at let's go back to this um, passage here where does he say there we are, the bottom part here. He says, consider carefully what you hear. Consider carefully what you hear. Oh, how, how, how many are in this? Oh, not, not many. Consider carefully because he's saying there's a temptation to back off. He said, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whatever, whoever has will be given more. Whoever doesn't have, whatever they have will be taken from them. W well, what he's saying really is that... Uh, you know, we, we mustn't back off things. We must give ourselves to what God is doing. We must see and discern and hear the things that God is doing and give ourselves to that. And Jesus is saying, as we do that, we'll be given more. But if we back off it, if we say, well, we're not even going to be involved in that. We don't want anything to do with it. Jesus is saying, well, what you do have is going to be taken away from you. Actually, as we back away from the things of the kingdom, as we step to the sidelines and just sit and look and kind of, hmm, be a little critical of things and and, well, I'm, I'm just going to see how things pan out. As we have that kind of attitude, Jesus is saying, well, you're going to lose things. The church must resist the temptation um, to do that. When Jesus came, first of all, he told people, don't tell other people about who I am. He healed people. We've seen that earlier on in Mark's gospel. He healed people. He says, don't go and tell anyone. Now, people did, but it was like, no, I want to keep it under wraps for now. I want to keep it hidden for now. There's going to be a time that comes when it's going to be out on display, when it's going to be out in the open. But for now, what I'm doing is going to be hidden. It's not, going to, it's not the right time to be revealed. And to some extent, actually, that time when Jesus' glory is going to be revealed, it still hasn't come yet. Now, obviously, we, we know more than people did at the time. But there's going to be a day that's coming when all people will know 
that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what, Philipp, that's what Paul says in Philippians. Every knee will bow. Maybe not in worship, but every knee will bow in submission that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Does the world know that now? No. The world doesn't see that now. If you say to people in society, who is the light of the world? Who brings the most light to the world? Not many people are going to say Jesus. Not many people are going to say the church. Jesus says now we are the light of the world as well. It's still hidden to people because people are looking for the spectacular. People are looking for something which has got all of the bells and whistles and is like, woo, in your face. And the danger can be that the church thinks, well, we need to be that because that's what people are looking for. So we need to be what people are looking for. Actually, no, we need to be who God calls us to be. We need to be the church. We need to actually humble ourselves sometimes and be and, and, and embrace the smallness of what God is doing because God is doing it. Because we can make things look big and flashy. We can gather a crowd. We can use techniques to gather a crowd. We could, we could choose to do that if we wanted. We could pour money in. We could, we could do lots of things that might gather more people here on a Sunday. But it wouldn't necessarily mean that God was at work. It might be, but it wouldn't necessarily mean that God was at work. Actually, God calls us to discipleship, which sometimes doesn't look impressive. The working of God in the world rarely makes the headlines, does it? You rarely see on the front page of the Gleaner, God at work in this. <laughs> when was the last time you saw that? <laughs> does that mean God's not at work in Fredericton? Of course not. God is powerfully at work in Fredericton. God is powerfully at work. But the world's not seeing it because he's at work in subversive, hidden ways, like the seed in the ground. Looks dead, looks like there's lifelessness. No, there's life there. There's life there, it's growing. But often it's slow change, and we have to have discerning eyes to see. We have to have ears to hear, because otherwise we can overlook what is going on. We can easily miss it, because a lot of it is slow change. A lot of it is slow change, and a lot of it is slow change in the lives of people, in the lives of us. God works in our lives, and he changes us, and he grows us, and shapes us, and fruit appears. You know, it's one of the most exciting things about being part of a life group, is that you get to be with a group of people week after week, and you get to know them, <coughs> and over time you get to see God changing them, and you get to see God at work in their lives. And it's so exciting. And I was just looking around, you know, even this morning, and just seeing people who, are, who I've known in our life group. And um, you're one of them. I'll not name you. But, <laughs> but I, it's so exciting to see, wow, God's at work. God's at work. And, and maybe people don't even see it. <coughs> maybe people don't even see it. Oh, yeah, it's just, just Ibaba. It's just whoever. Just, oh, yeah, that's. That's Rebecca, that's Trevor, that's whoever. I can't remember people's <laughs> names. <laughs> that's not the reason I didn't mention your name. I do know your name. <laughs> God's at work. God's at work. <laughs> Russell, that's who I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry, Russ. I was looking at you and going, Trevor? No. 
One day, it's all going to be made known. One day we will see the glory that God is at work. That's why Jesus says, whatever is hidden, it's meant to be disclosed. It's not going to stay hidden forever. It's meant to be disclosed. Whatever's concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. But it starts very small, even imperceptibly. So here's a man. Here's Jesus. He's a, he's a carpenter from a small town in Nazareth. He gathers a bunch of 12 nobodies. He starts preaching. We, Reese Scott was saying this two weeks ago when he was here. He jumped us through to chapter 6 on in, in Mark's gospel. And he says, you know, he went back to his hometown and people took offense at him. And why did they take offense at him? They took offense because they were like, you're a carpenter. Come on. Who are you? You're, you're, we know your mother and brothers and sisters. and Don't tell us that you're anything special. Don't tell us that anything's going to happen from, from you. Because it was small and insignificant. Who does he think he is? We see it further in Isaiah and chapter 52. Isaiah chapter 52 is where that famous passage, really, where Jesus is described as the servant of God, suffering servant. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. So that's what's going to happen. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. He didn't look good. He wasn't looking good. There's nothing that people were going to look at Jesus and go, oh, he's attractive. He's got the white teeth. And we give him the white teeth. We give him the flowing hair. We give him the kind of rugged looks. That's not how he looked. He wasn't anything spectacular. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. What they've not heard, they will understand. So there's this man who doesn't look like anything special, but everyone's going to have their mouth shut. Kings are going to have their mouth shut because of him. Who's believed our message? No one's believed our message. Well, why would they believe our message? Who's believed our message? To whom is the arm of the Lord being revealed? And then it says this, he grew up like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. This is what the kingdom of God is about, epitomized in Jesus. It's lowliness. It's shame. It's, oh, I can't even look at him. Can't even look at him. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. <laughs> Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we're healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, how foolish we are. We don't see it. People didn't see it at the time. People still don't see it today. We're not putting out there some sort of attractive superhero Jesus. We're still preaching the same Jesus today that people can't even bear to look at that just repulses people. 
That, that is the kingdom. He took up our pain and bore our suffering. That's faith in Christ. Yes, Jesus will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted, and all of this is going to come in the future. But this is who we follow now. It's a life of faith. So we have to understand that what Jesus says in these parables is kind of shocking to people. It's really shocking to people. You know, he comes and he says, he's got this crowd of people and he says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And they're like, oh, great, tell us what the kingdom of God is like. Is it like mountain peaks? Is it like the Grand Canyon? Is it like a tidal wave? Is it like the power of a gladiator? No, it's like this little seed here. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? And people laugh and they sneer and they back away. But God's at work. It's always been the same with God's people. Moses, he was out in the wilderness for 40 years, and he had a speech impediment, and he was the one who went to Pharaoh, and he's the one who delivers God's people in the end. He gets raised up. Joseph had promises over him, but for 30 years he was in prison or forgotten or ignored until God raises him up and brings him out into the open. So Jesus says, be careful. Be careful how you hear if you're following me. Don't get caught up into the things of the world. Don't get caught up into the expectations of the world about what should be happening in the church or even in the world because we can get despondent about things going on in the world and we can get cynical and we can say it just seems like evil is flourishing and God is doing nothing and what's happening and why is this going on in in my life and why is this going on in my nation and why is this going on in our society and where is God? And God is here. God is still at work. God has always been at work. And if we don't see with eyes of faith and we don't hear with ears of faith, Jesus says you could lose everything. You could lose everything because you'll just get hardened and negative and cynical. We've got to take care of how we hear. Let's not follow a Jesus or a kingdom that isn't the kingdom that God was calling us to. You know, some of his disciples, they were like the zealot, Simon the zealot. He was like, yeah, we're going to take the kingdom by force. He had to learn. That's not the way. That's not the way. We come to Jesus with all sorts of ideas about what the kingdom of God's going to be like. But we need to see what Jesus says the kingdom of God is like. And we need to embrace that. Because if we snub it, we've got everything to lose. Jesus says everything will be taken away from us. If we risk in faith, seeing with eyes of faith, even just the little signs, the little seeds, Yes, we see that with eyes of faith. We're going to act on that. We're going to believe that. We're going to pray those big prayers. Still going to pray big prayers because God is going to do a big thing. And we're going to pray those big prayers and believe God for that big thing when all we see is the seed or the hardened ground that's got the seed underneath it and we don't even think it's there. God's doing things in us as a church. Does this city know about it? No. Does the nation know about it? Certainly not. Maybe in the future it will. Often we don't even see what God's doing ourselves. It was, it's helpful sometimes to have people coming in from outside. Jeremy and Anne coming in, it's helpful to hear what they say. They quickly saw some things that were happening with us. They, they said, something is happening with your children. Do you remember them saying that when they were here? They said, something, they said it on a number of occasions. In a public meeting, they said it to us as elders. Um, something is happening with your children. They're seeing it. And we can go, really? Oh, well, it doesn't really look like it. There's not, there's not a 
not a huge number of them, and they just gather in a corridor every week. I mean, what's what's going on? No, something is happening. They're spotting the signs. They're seeing the signs. They're seeing stories, even that we've heard this morning about children coming and getting saved because they see that actually the world is in turmoil, but there's hope in Jesus. Neve coming and bringing the other week a picture at a meeting. Kids coming to all-together meetings, being filled with the Spirit, going to tell people about Jesus at the school the next week. All of that happened over two weeks that Jeremy and Anne were here, and they were seeing some of these things happening, and they said, something is happening with your children. So what are we going to do? Are we going to go, really? I don't think so. Well, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. No, what you already have will be taken from you if you have that approach. We embrace it in faith. Okay, God, you're doing something with our kids. We want to pray into that. We want to pray for our kids. We want to believe for that. We want to embrace it. We want to celebrate what we see. We want to have eyes of faith, ears to hear. Our prayer meetings have been getting more and more um, powerful recently. Faith's been rising for God to move powerfully. There have been some good, really good, really exciting prayer meetings. Do you know where it started first? Started first, Wednesday mornings. What time do you meet? 6.30? 6.15, Wednesday mornings. Gary's been meeting with a group of people. There have been about three people mainly. Regulars who come. Cyril, Mary Jo, some others. Marley. Okay, a few people. Steve Brewster, good morning. And I get reports back. He says, oh, it's powerful time. Powerful time. Oh, God's at work. And the Tuesday lunchtime ones, they've been getting pretty powerful. I was away last week. Brent said to me, whew, I got back. That was the first thing he said to me. Whew, that Tuesday prayer meeting <laughs> said it flew. <laughs> been getting about 10 or 12 people to it. God's at work. It's starting to happen on Sunday nights a bit as well. Seeing things on Sunday nights. Getting a few more people out on Sunday nights. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? Oh, I don't, is it? Is that happening? Oh, I haven't heard anything. I've not heard anything about that. Look, can you see it? God is at work. The tiny seeds. Embrace it. Come along. It's happening. The church has got no place for armchair critics and cynicism. We need to fully embrace what God is doing. And God's kingdom advances even without our help. We don't, I've said this, I don't want to dwell on it too much. You know, the man plants the seed, it grows, the man does nothing. <laughs> Whether he sleeps or gets up, he starts to harvest. God uses us to sow and then we get to reap and we don't know how it happens. So we can, we can have our plans and strategies and methodologies and there may be some use in that. But what we really need is faith in God. Because God's not saying, you have to get the right plan, you have to get the right strategy, you have to say the right thing in that situation. If you get the word, you know, you can think that, can't you? Oh, I've got to pray for someone to be healed. Oh, okay, God, I've got to get the words exactly right. <laughs> if I get the word of my prayer exactly right, then God might heal this person. But if I don't, oh, it's not going to happen. That's not what, God, no, God's saying, just respond in faith. Put your trust in him, because it's him who's doing it. Oh, Jesus, you know, I can't do anything, but I'm coming and I'm praying for this brother or sister, and I'm believing in you, that you've got the power to heal. 
So God, will, will you do it? I mean, you can say anything. As long as in your heart you know it's not you who's doing it and it's God and you're trusting in him. It really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. We just need faith in God. On Alpha, we don't need to persuade people. We don't need to bully them into the kingdom. We don't need to persuade people that their views are wrong. We just sit and pray and ask God and watch him at work. It's exciting stuff. I love Alpha the same way. Because you see people week after week. And you go, oh, they're coming back. And people who were like really cynical at first. And suddenly they're really open. And you see people's whole demeanors change. And their attitude and their faces. And it's like God's at work. Seeing it. Seeing it. God's at work. And we'll, and we'll see what happens. The tiny seed becomes the largest of the plants. As we look out in the world, it can seem that evil is winning, but God is at work. And strongholds will get defeated. Strongholds of sin, things of areas of weakness in our lives, in our households, in our marriages, they can sometimes seem overwhelming. They can sometimes seem so strong and powerful. It can seem as though there are these huge strongholds which say to God, you're not getting in here. How's God going to defeat them? Through the tiniest of seeds. We were in uh, New York this week, and we, we rented uh, on vacation, me and Debbie, and we, we rented an apartment, and uh, <coughs> we were standing outside our apartment, and we, s and we saw this tree, and uh, it obviously, as all trees do, started off as a tiny seed, but it had grown huge, and like it had pushed up the sidewalk. The whole of the, of the, uh, the concrete of the sidewalk was like, tilted to quite an angle and then you could see it was affecting the wall of the apartment and the steps and it was pushing back. I mean these like huge big concrete blocks and this tree is just pushing its way in and there's like no stopping it. You're like how are we going to stop that now? It's just huge tree. Well it started off as a tiny seed but yet it's had such power. So it is with the kingdom. Evil is being expelled. It will be expelled. But it won't be expelled in a dramatic way. Like, it starts as a seed. Seed of God. The mustard seed parable shows how the kingdom comes from obscurity and insignificance. Hidden, overlooked. But its effects are going to be huge. Jesus, the Son of God, came and he washed his disciples' feet. That's what he did. He came and he washed his disciples' feet and he said, and this is an example for you. I've done it as an example for you that you're to do the same thing. And his disciples could have thought, what? You're sending us out? You're sending us out to advance your kingdom? To wash people's feet? What's that about? And Jesus is saying, that's the way. That's the way. You do it in the small things. You do it in the humble things. You do it in the servant things. These men, they'd always lived locally. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. But we see where it's going to end up. Where it's going to end up is in Revelation 7 verse 9. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshipped God. That's where the seed is ending up. 
It's going to be a multitude that no one can count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language. That's what it's going to be. It will. And right now we go, it doesn't look very significant. That's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. We've already spoken a few weeks ago about the visit that some of us made to, uh, in New York again, to Metro World Child. And they're running this, this Sunday school. It's been going for a number of years, 35 years. And um, they've got many, many children who are coming now. And actually, it can, it can, have, it can look big and impressive. And it, it didn't start off like that. It started off pretty small. But it can look big and impressive. And we can just think, oh, well, that's what it's about. Let's go for the big thing. Let's look for the big thing. <coughs> but we can be blinded to where God is at work, where God's kingdom at work, and it's in the small things. So last Saturday, when we were in New York, Debbie and I just went back for one, for a couple of hours, and paid another visit to Metro, Debbie hadn't been. And uh, they sat us down, and they, they said, okay, you can sit down, you can watch what's going on. And they sat us down by the, uh, by the washrooms. And uh, so, so we're there, we couldn't really see much of what was going on on the stage, but we're, we're by the washrooms. And, uh, and whilst everything going on was kind of all loud and crazy, my attention gets drawn to the washrooms and, and to a man standing by them. And uh, there, there he is. And his name was Bruce. And I watched him. And as each child went to use the washroom, afterwards Bruce would go in and he'd clean up in the bathroom and making sure that everything was spotless. And then he'd come out and then he'd let the next child in. And then after they'd been in, he'd go in and he'd clean it all up and he'd let the next child in. And Bruce has done that same job, and he does that same job for every Sunday school session, week after week after week. And, when you, and I talked to him, and he says, look, I don't, want any, I don't want any child going in there and having to use a dirty bathroom. I don't want any of these children going in there and using a messy bathroom. The thing is, most of these children come from houses where they live with kind of dog feces on the floor and garbage everywhere, cockroaches, mice running around. That's their normal. They wouldn't have even thought twice, probably, about a dirty washroom. But when the kids come to Sunday school, Bruce makes sure that they're going to use a clean bathroom. And Jesus came and he washed his disciples' feet. And Bruce cleans up urine and poop. And it's the same thing. And I'm talking to Bruce, and he says, you know what, one day I want to be a pastor. And he already is. <laughs> I told him. I said, you already are. I told him he was great in the kingdom of God. Because he is. And I said, I want to take this photo of you. He said, because I want to come back and tell my church about you and encourage them with what you've done and what you are doing. Because that's what he does week after week. And it's hidden, and it's small, and it's insignificant. It's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God at work. That's what it's all about. Don't be fooled by the hype and the show. Don't run after the glory and the profiles. You know what, we care too much about our own profiles how we look to other people. Let's just give ourselves to God's kingdom. How? By the equivalent of washing people's feet. Insignificant things, cleaning up poop, stacking chairs, sitting on the sidewalk and talking with someone. 
And you know what? We don't do those things on the way to greater things. They are the greater things. They are the greater things. And it will seem so small. But without us knowing how, God will be at work and he will produce fruit. And things that are incredible. Everything else in our lives deteriorates or diminishes. Everything. Everything wears out. Everything lessens. Everything just fades. Our health does. Everything. Apart from the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God's the other way around. It grows. It starts off small and it grows and grows and grows. And we're called to be part of it. We have to embrace these things, church. We have to embrace it. This is who God's calling us to be. And it might look messy and it might not look spectacular. It, it won't. It's who he's calling us to be. The kingdom of God starts in powerlessness, seeming defeat. Jesus of Nazareth crucified on a cross. But now he's the risen king. And one day he's going to return as judge of the living and the dead. There's great hope for the future. We've got great hope. But for now, we give ourselves to the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that your ways are not the same as our ways, Lord. Oh man, we would be in such a mess if they were. But Father God, we, we wrestle with some of this sometimes. We can easily get pulled into the, to a different way of thinking. We can even compare ourselves to other churches and think, well, why are we not like them? God, we want to keep coming to you and saying, will you be at work in our church? Will you be at work in these small things? Lord, will you help us to give ourselves to them? Lord, protect us. Lord, prevent us from being cynical. Prevent us from just pulling back and observing and being critical. Lord, we want to give ourselves fully in whatever way it is we can that you're calling us to. Lord, and if that means humbling ourselves, we want to do that because, Lord, we want to be part of what you're doing. And you're doing an amazing thing. Lord, show us how we can wash people's feet in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, how that would look. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love what you're doing. Keep working, Lord. Amen. Amen. I'll hand you back to Ollie because we're going to break bread, I think. Thanks, Mark. If the life group leaders who are serving communion could come up, that would be great. We're going to break bread.